The Leaderpreneur Show, Episode 21, Ego, The Downfall of Leaders. And behind the scenes, let's go. Welcome back, my friends, to the Leaderpreneur Show, the podcast for leaders to deepen their knowledge while exploring an entrepreneurial journey to start a thriving online business of their own. Once again, I'm your host, Stephen Faust, and I'm here with my great and good friend, Michael Tanner. Hey, Michael, my friend, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, Stephen. It's always good to to, to speak with you. How are you doing this week? Oh man, I'm, I'm doing great and having a great week and uh, looking forward to our discussion as always. And I just can't wait to hear what uh, you have on tap for us this week. Well, last week I teased this a little bit. I didn't, I didn't exactly let the cat out of the bag and tell our audience exactly what I'm talking about. And so I'm going to, I'm going to keep the cat in the bag a little bit longer, but I'm going to tell you that today we're going to talk about what I consider to be the downfall of any leader. If, if a leader has truly failed in leadership, I can almost guarantee I can find somewhere in that failure this attitude towards leadership. Now, I'm not talking about a mistake that a leader might make, right? You and I have talked about mistakes before where you, you know, you know you're going to make mistakes, you learn from them, you move on, that kind of thing. I'm talking about when a leader has truly failed in some way, his, his team has been disbanded or or he's losing team members, maybe they're leaving a the company. You know, we've also talked about that, that, that people don't leave companies or products or, or compensation. They leave bad leaders. They leave, you know, bad team members. So if a leader has kind of this epic level failure as a leader, I can almost guarantee you, you can pinpoint this one aspect of their attitude towards leadership. So I thought that's what we'd talk about today, the downfall of any leader. You know what? I am on pins and needles. I just can't wait to hear what what we're going to unpack today. It sounds like a, a great topic, very insightful for our listeners. And uh, you know, it it's it's very topical these days. It's especially with the economy going so well. And you, if you're not the right type of leader, people people will leave. And what we're going to talk about today is one of the prime reasons that people make that decision. So I'm ready to go. Let's unpack it and let's roll. All right, so let's talk about it. Here's the downfall. Again, if you find a leader that in some way, just epic failure as a leader, I can almost promise you somewhere in their leadership, you're going to be able to identify ego, right? You're going to be able to identify their ego in leadership. And, you know, the reality is when you have, some, when you have a leader that uh, in some way has a fault due to, due to, uh, to ego, that doesn't make that person a bad person, right? They're not a bad person. In fact, if they have fallen to ego, it just makes them normal. We've, we all have ego in us in some shape, form, or fashion. And in fact, we have to be very, very intentional to identify that ego and to fight against it, especially as leaders. And I'll tell you, leaders that are really, really prone to, uh, to ego and, and leading with ego is the leader that really views leadership as position-based or organizational chart-based or, you know, title-based or rank-based or something like that. When people really view leadership as a title or a rank or a position, they're really, really prone then to ego because 
they feel like, well, I've arrived, right? I've, I now have the vice president title. And so ego just takes over and they get very dictatorial. They get very authoritative. Uh, they tend to not listen to their team members. Uh, and, and, you know, ego just kind of takes over and ultimately that ego is going to lead to failure. Yeah. And, you know, this, this topic of ego, it's interesting because you, you hear people talk about, oh, you know, John doesn't have an ego. He's, he's fantastic. I submit that everybody has an ego. And the reason I say that is because of one flaw we all have, which is we're human beings, right? This is, this is the reality of us as human beings is we're, we are emotional people. People are emotional by nature and people that say they don't have an ego, what they do, in my opinion, is they choose to not let ego impact them or take control of them and how they manage their day, manage their people, choose to react and respond to things, choose to engage in certain certain situations. They have a better uh, control over how they respond to organizational pressure and how they view the world. It's it's just a decision. Now, some people come to it easier than others. You know, I have, if you ask my wife, she'll say, uh, yeah, you, you, your, your head gets so big sometimes you can't fit through the door. Right. So, and, and I'll say, well, you know, I, I don't have an ego and she'll roll her eyes and go, oh my gosh, I mean, you need to look in the mirror, my friend, but you know, I'm, I'm imperfect. I, I, I know that I have an ego. The thing that I try to do, and I think a lot of people do is they just try to, to, to balance and manage that ego insofar as it impacts their ability to be an effective leader. And if you can do that, then you have a chance to be great. If you can't do that, then you have a chance to fail and fall flat on your face and wonder why people cannot exist within the structure that you've created. And, and, I, I am imperfect. I do have an ego. I try to balance and manage it. I, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I can always do it a hundred percent effectively, but it's something that at least that we should be thinking about because if you're thinking about it and are intentional about it, you can certainly manage it better than you see those people that are just out of control and they don't know how to put an ego into any type of box and it, it causes organizational chaos, and we've seen the effects of that. So that's kind of my initial thoughts on the whole question and notion of ego. And um, I know we've been through this, we've seen it, we've we've probably been on both sides of this, but it's it's something that it's it's worth talking about. Yeah, you you, know, you make some really good points there, and, and one I'd like to highlight is that you know this idea of ego, ego is an emotion, and so anything that you can do to uh, you know, to increase your emotional intelligence and, and things like that is, is certainly going to benefit you. But I, I want to make sure that everyone understands that the ego is an emotion. Ego isn't, ego is not equivalent to confidence, right? You can be confident as a leader, but you're not, you know, you don't have a big ego. Um, and now, you know, there's obviously a difference too between confidence and arrogance, um, but ego is more rather a, an emotion, you know, where, where confidence is a belief in yourself, ego is an, an emotion, right? And, and I think, you know, it's probably clear to all of our listeners that anytime you are acting as a leader, you're acting 
emotionally rather than rationally, uh, then you're really in danger. And so, you know, that's, that's what happens to the leader that's operating through their ego is they're, they're leading with their emotions and not, you know, rational, logical, analytical thought. Uh, and, and that's what gets you into danger. Uh, I've got a couple of examples uh, and, and I'm going to go all the way back to my days in the Marine Corps. That's, that's the first kind of story that I can identify where, yeah, I was leading with ego and it wasn't working well. Um, when I was in the Marines, uh, I had the, I had applied for and I'd gotten granted what's called a secondary MOS, military occupational specialty. My primary job, my primary MOS was infantry, uh, fleet, what we called it, fleet Marine. Um, but I had gotten a, I'd received a, a, a billet for a secondary MOS. And so I got to do that secondary MOS for uh, about two years or so. And then when that tour was over, I went back to my primary job. So I went back to the fleet Marines and now because of my seniority, because of my rank, when I went back to the fleet, I was, I was put in a position that's called a fire team leader. So this is a leader of four or three other Marines. A fire team is four different Marines. Uh, and so this is a fire team leader and you got three other Marines. Well, here's the deal. Yes, I outranked those guys. Yes, I'd been in the Marine Corps longer than those guys. But those guys had been in a fire team. Those guys had been in the infantry. They had been in the fleet for two years. And I was brand new to it, right? But I came in as the, you know, as the senior person, I came in as I had the title of fire team leader. I had the rank to back that up. I had the years of experience in the Marine Corps. And I came in with the ego of all of the, all three of those things. And my ego was telling these three other Marines, here's how we're going to do it, right? So when we were in a training maneuver of some sort, my ego would, would lead them this way. Here's how we're going to do this. You're going to go over there. You're going to go over there. You're going to do this, right? And, and the whole time, they could see flaws in my plan. They could see flaws in my plan because they've been doing this for two years, and I haven't. But then when they would share that with me, I would have nothing of it, right? I outrank you. I've got the title. I've been in the Marine Corps longer than you have. You're going to do what I say. And time after time after time, as a fire team, we were utter failures time and time again. And it was finally my squad leader. So a squad is four of those fire teams, 16 Marines total. Finally, my squad leader sat me down and said, look, dude, you better put your ego in check. I know you outrank these guys, but they know more about what they're doing than you do. And you'd better start listening to them. And so, yeah, I mean, my ego was not in check. I was using all that title, position, rank-based authority, and it was an utter disaster. Once I started listening to those guys, and, oh, that's a good point. You got a good plan there. Let's, let's use your plan. Then the world changed for us. Yeah, that's a great story. And uh, it, it's, it, it's that experience factor that, that makes you you know, some, sometimes you show up, you have more time in the service, you have a higher rank. Therefore, going back to that, that role power, right? We believe at times that a title, whether it's a, a, a fire team leader or a, or a uh, vice president or a manager or a director or whatever that title is for you and your role in your company, that somehow that role equals respect. 
And ego doesn't by itself give you anything at all, nothing. All it gives you is those those titles and positions give you a captive audience to convince that you are a leader worthy of them investing in the team and in you. And do they have a belief that you can help get them somewhere further than they are today, both, you know, maybe individually as a team, as an organization. So, you know, ego is this funny thing. I have a couple, you know, examples as well. I have one on both sides of this discussion. The, The one side similar to you is when I got out of the army in 1998, I went to work for a computer company and I became a a manager of a uh, uh, of a of a bid of a, a state and local federal bid desk where I I managed uh, IT proposals and things and I had twelve people and I think I've told the story before but I to make it quick I I was the manager of this team and I led this like it was an army or a Marine Corps in your example fire team right. Instead of instead of four team members, me and three others, it was me and twelve others, and I led them like you know felt like we were in the Marine Corps, felt like I was back in the Army again, and to me, I was totally oblivious to that being out of the norm. And I I micromanaged, thought I was doing a good job. I set the stage. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to win. Here's the scorecard. If you get this many check marks, you're good. If you don't, so it was very regimented and. These folks were much more senior to me in age, they're much more experienced, kind of like your situation. I'm the new guy coming in. I've, I'm not more senior to them other than entitled, so I have this perception of role power. And to a point, they give me that courtesy, but when I start acting a fool because I think I know it all and I think I can, I can just because I think I'm organized and can run a team and can make sense out of things doesn't mean it's going to be successful. And they called me out on it, right? And HR brought me in and said, you know, stop it. What are you doing? Stop it. You're being too militaristic. Knock it off. And, you know, it really shook me up to the standpoint of I started to pay attention. And I started to shift my leadership and the way I thought to to manage this differently. And that's one example. On the flip side, where I think it went well, is while I was in the Army, this would have been in 1994, I believe, I just went through warrant officer candidate school. I was a, I went from an, from a, a, an E6, uh, getting promoted to E7, to a W1, uh, going through school. I was you know, 26 years old. I was a platoon leader going into um, uh, an uh, aviation company and an intermediate maintenance company. And I had a platoon sergeant that worked for me, uh, kind of a grizzly E7. I was 26. I would say, I don't know, he looked like he was 50, but I'm sure, you know, I'm 26. He's probably, I don't know, 38 or 40, maybe, maybe if, if that, but, but clearly experienced, clearly knew what he wanted to do, clearly knew these aircraft, clearly knew the nuances of the team and the people and, and how to operate successfully. I'm coming in there. And on the flip side of trying to be too aggressive and, and too, uh, this this wily guy who's going to figure it all out like I did in this example when I got out of the military, I kind of went in there, eyes wide open, new guy, thinking about, okay, I need to make a good impression. And I I 
asked his advice. And I said, help me understand how to be effective. Help me understand these aircraft. Help me understand the challenges we have. And because I approached him the right way, uh, kind of with open arms and uh, wide eyes, he put his arm around me and said, okay, young guy, let me, I know you're my boss. I know that, you know, I'll salute you and report to you and tell you all those things, but I'm going to make sure you're okay. Just follow my lead and we'll get through this together. And we formed this relationship and built a bond and a team that we performed very well together. But it was, if I would have went in there with this, you know, uh, bull in a China shop approach, there's no way I would have had nearly the success and the opportunity to be as successful as we were as a team. And it taught me a, le- it taught me a lesson. Now, why did I get out of the army and, and be a fool? I couldn't tell you other than I was, uh, you know, I, fi- I thought I figured it out. I thought, you know, these civilians, they, they need help. They need, they need to understand how to, how to think differently and all. So I learned through the school of hard knocks. I learned a lesson. I could save everybody out there the struggle and trouble. Just go into it, see how you can help the team, check your ego at the door. It's okay to have one, but it's not okay to impose it on everybody else in an inappropriate way. And that's, that's how I would frame that up. Yeah. Well, you know, the reality is sometimes we got to learn lessons more than once. Uh, so I totally get it. I'm right there with you. Uh, and, you know, another quick story for me, I, I mean, uh, and it highlights the fact, uh, another point that I want to make is that, uh, an individual with an ego is the opposite, exact opposite of teamwork. You know, in when we talk about leadership, we oftentimes talk about teamwork or, or maybe team culture or what, you know, however you want to describe it. But we're talking about this, this idea that the team, the benefit of the team is greater than any, any one individual, right? So team before me, if you will, uh, is the attitude, but, but ego is the exact opposite of that. Uh, I mean, you, you can, you, you can see it in sports analogies where you've got a team uh, and you've got this one superstar on the team, but if he's got a huge ego, that team's not going to be very successful. Take a different team. He's got an equally good, phenomenal superstar, but because he's a team player, because he keeps his ego in check, then that team is going to excel and, you know, win championships and things like that. And my example, quick example for you, just a, uh, it's just a few years back, eight years back or so, maybe leading a, you know, a, a rather large team, 20, 30 people, uh, and, uh, doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of communication and, and, uh, giving, you know, kind of direction and guidance. Uh, well, not, not so much direction and guidance, but, but casting vision, if you will. And then also making adjustments on kind of the way we operate and, and I'm communicating all these things. And, you know, I got to the point where it felt like I, I had individuals on the team that either they just didn't understand it, they didn't get it, they didn't care enough to then act on it or or follow instructions and, and just different things like that. And my ego got me to the point where I I thought negatively of my teammates, right? They're well, they're just a bunch of idiots. They don't understand why this is important. Why don't they understand why this is important? Why don't they understand that we got to do these things on a timely basis? And, you know, so my ego had me thinking negatively about my teammates. Uh, and it was, it was my former boss that, that sat me down and, and really a lesson in communication that he gave me. He said, you know, you're the communicator. 
if they don't understand, it's your fault. Right. And he's basically putting it on me, putting the ownership, the responsibility on me and saying, look, if they don't understand it the way you've said it, you better say it a different way. And you got to keep saying it. You know, we've heard those seven different ways, seven, you know, seven times, seven different ways. You got to communicate things and all that. And, and that's the lesson he was teaching me. But the ego part of that is exact opposite of teamwork. I was thinking very, very negatively of my teammates because my ego was thinking, well, I've said it. Why don't you get it? Um, and so that's just an, that's an example of how your ego is going to tear your team apart because it's the opposite of teamwork. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. And, and it, it reminds me, I know you're a big college basketball fan. We're getting ready to get into uh, March Madness here coming March up. Is coming. March is coming. You're looking forward to it. So how many, how many of those teams are going to advance to the final, the Sweet 16, the, the great, I don't know, even know what you call What do you call it when you get to the eight? Uh, so the great, great eight, or I don't know what you call it. You've got the final four. Yeah. I got, got that one. Thing in the elite eight. The elite, that's it. The elite eight. So how, how many sweet 16 elite eight final four teams are going to make it to that level that, that have all of these, you know, negative egos, not many, not many. And you're exactly, I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a perfect example. And, and actually that's one of the examples too, that I like, college basketball so much more than I do, you know, the NBA is because, uh, as you've pointed out, by the time they get into the, the 16 and the eight and the final four, and certainly the final two, then you have teams full of kids that, you know, egos are completely in check and they're there as a team and they're putting everything they have into it. Right. You know, I, I got nothing against people getting paid for the, phenomenal work they do and all, but they're not there for the millions of dollars they're making. They're there for the team. And I just love that. that to me, that's the difference between college basketball and professional yeah. basketball, but you're right. I mean, some of those teams that might make it into the tournament, they may have one or two team team members that are, that are good and, and maybe they're full of ego, but they're not going to make it far in the tournament. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. And what was it you said uh, many episodes ago that um, uh, you said something about you noticed how these, the, the, like the winners wore these shirts that said family or something on it, right? Or, right. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I used to get all hung up on this. Uh, are we a team? And yeah. and I would get hung up on uh, the, 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 te- the team that I'm leading right now. They viewed themselves more as a, a, as a family. Right. But then I started watching college basketball in the warm-up shirts that they're wearing these days. It all says family. So the team, they see themselves as family. And again, it's just that attitude of, you know, the family or the team before me, right? The team is more important than I am. That is, that's how you put your ego in check. Yeah. Right. If you, you know, we're talking about don't have an ego. So we we ought to tell our audience, well, here's how you keep your ego in check then. Yeah. You, you get out of your vehicle every morning when you go in to lead that team and you say the team is more important than I am. And you yes. just say that to you. say it out loud if you have to. As you're walking across the parking lot, say it out loud. The team is more important than I am, and that'll keep your your ego in check. Yeah, and when you're a leader of a team, uh, you, whether you like it or not, and and it goes back to this kind of family mindset. It's you may not look at the team as a family, but I can promise you that they do. Many of them do because uh, they're in the trenches together every day, lock, locked uh, shoulder to shoulder. 
Some days are good days. Some days are bad days. But for the most part, those folks on that team uh, are supportive of one another. And whether you like it or not, as the leader of that team, uh, they're looking to you for something, right? Something that a leader should be providing. So you have to carry that, the weight and that expectation. And it's really important that you not let your ego, your, you know, personal feelings, your, you know, frustrations of the day, your, uh, just because you can cause people to listen to you because of the role that you have, don't let that be a situation that gives your ego a time and a chance to to come out in a way that negatively impacts the team. So that's a big responsibility to to bear, and that's why not everyone's cut out to be a leader. It's okay if if you don't have all of those skills or traits or behaviors to be a leader. It takes a it takes a, a person who's devoted to serving others to build. Uh, relationships and be a, a strong leader. And it's okay if you're not, but just recognize if you are, you carry with it a, a huge responsibility to other people and the relationships that you have with them and making sure you are putting on display that which you want to receive back. And it's just so important from an ego standpoint or from a from a managing and leading standpoint and from a building a team the right way to get the right result for the company or for whatever your shared goal is. Uh, because as you say, uh, leadership is what it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, well, how do you say it? It, it, it's a, it's a relationship, but it's, it's going towards this shared target oh, or goal, in, right? Influencing others. That's towards it. Shared goal. That's yep. it. Yep. So, um, it, you just got to keep that in mind as a leader, and you've got to make sure that you're that you're managing and leading people uh, with that with that in mind. And to do that, you've got to sometimes check your ego, push it down, not make that the priority, not make that uh, an emotional uh, outburst or an emotional display, and be very balanced and think. Take a deep breath, take a step back, pause, think about how do you want to engage the team. And then that can make a world of difference in, in what actually happens and how, how you, how you uh, carry yourself. You know, one time um, someone said, said, to, said to me, hey, how do you feel about that? And I, I don't know if I mentioned this before or not, but uh, how, do you, how do you feel about something? And I said, oh, I think I, I feel fine about it. And they said, well, you better tell your face that, right? Because uh, just because you say something if you're not feeling it and you don't put it on display, it, everyone in that room, everyone around you is going to know that you're not being sincere. Everyone knows what's really on your mind. And you know what? That's an extension of your ego. And you've got to be able to, to manage that accordingly. Yeah. You know, again, I, I just point out that ego is an emotion, right? It's, it's, it's much like frustration or anger. Uh, ego is an emotion. And so as a leader, you would do well to study and understand emotional intelligence and, and, and be able to identify in yourself when anger or frustration or ego is, you know, is taking hold and, and, and wanting to call you to action. And, and that's when you got to, you know, you got to stuff that and say, nope, I'm not going to act emotionally here. Instead, I'm going to, you know, think through this and act rationally and so forth. So, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, as a leader, you've got to 
really study those, you know, emotions and emotional intelligence and identify it and control it intentionally. Awesome. You've got to control it intentionally. Yeah. What, what's our call to action on this one, my friend? So, you know, call to action with this is just check your ego at the door, you know, and again, I, I'm one of those guys. I like these kind of these physical triggers, if you will, that cause me to do that. And so I, I, I'm serious. Get out of the car. And as you're walking across the parking lot to walk into your building, say to yourself, the team is more important than me. And just check your ego at the door. Nobody will hear you say it, but you. Now, if you do it in a crowded room, that's on you, my friend. So you you gotta, you gotta make sure that uh, people just don't think you're talking to yourself. And if they do, who cares? Let them think it. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah. Even if they do hear you, that's a phenomenal message. Yeah, You'd rather hear you have, uh, them hear you say that than maybe some other things. Right. So yeah, exactly. definitely. Exactly. Well, great conversation. Uh, I think we unpacked that pretty well. I, I think our listeners will get some good, good value out of that. And, and uh, we will move on now to the behind the scenes part, the segment of the show. And yeah. uh, let's, let's go for it. What is on, I know you've been working on some things since last week's <laughs> discussion and, and let's, let's bring our listeners up to speed on what some of those things are. Yeah, so let's talk about what what's going on in our businesses here that we're uh, that we're working on. So uh, I don't necessarily want to just continue the community theme in our podcast here, but uh, I want to share with the audience a little bit about uh, what I've been doing uh, as a as a effort in building out this community that I've talked about in a number of episodes already. Uh, I'm really in a phase right now of building out this community where uh, I am really honing in on the purpose of the community and, and kind of the goals of the community. And one of the steps I'm doing there is I'm conducting individual interviews with people that I would consider to be the ideal community members, right? Uh, based on what uh, we want in this community, who are the ideal community members? And then uh, I've gone out and I've solicited, you know, anybody that would be willing to give me 20 to 30 minutes and just, uh, you know, I've got a a list of questions that I, that I want to ask them and just get their feedback and their input. And here's the thing, Stephen, uh, I've heard the importance of these interviews. When you're, when you're doing something like this, I've heard of the importance of these interviews uh, for, for years now, or multiple people talk about, you got to talk to your customer. You got to, you know, one-on-one face-to-face, so to speak, if you can, and, and just really talk to them, really listen to them, even listen to the language that they're using and learn from that and use that. And, and then make sure that, that what you're going to then deliver back to them is meeting all the needs and everything that they uh, are sharing with you. I've heard that over and over and over again over the years. And, you know, I, I, I think I believed it, but for whatever reason, until now, I've never taken action on it. Uh, but I've done that now. I've had uh, uh, this week, I've had four interviews. I've got three more scheduled uh, later in the week. Uh, and it's just been incredible. One has been encouraging. Uh, you know, one is encouraging just to know uh, someone, well, I've got several people, but someone's willing to take some time to give you their feedback, right? Everybody's busy. And, you know, so it's, it's a, it's an honor. I, I, it's really encouraging to know that someone's willing to give me that time. Uh, but then some of the insights that they're giving, you know, in some ways, again, it's, it's encouraging because it's somewhat validating, right? Some, some thoughts and some concepts and some things that I'm hoping to lead into 
they're being validated by the responses that I'm getting uh, in these interviews. But then there's also a lot of kind of light bulb moments, if you will, right? There's a lot of these just insights. Well, wow, I never even thought about that or that didn't occur to me or yeah, that'd be great to have as a part of the community. Uh, and so there's a just a, a wealth of, uh, of insights coming from these interviews. And, and you know, I'm kind of kicking myself. I've heard this time and time again. Why haven't I done this in the past? Uh, but I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing it now. And just the level of insights that uh, are coming from it, the level of encouragement and validation coming from it, it's just great. It's phenomenal. Yeah, that's the one word you just said it that I've been thinking of as you were as you were walking through that is the validation. It's it's interesting how we think we know what others think because we use our own biases and our own thoughts to kind of form form those opinions. And you know, when once we have the opportunity to 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 have folks engage with us uh, in a meaningful way and learn what they're thinking, it either validates what we thought was the case. It it changes our view on certain things. It causes us to change an approach on how we look at community. And in this case, uh, it gives you uh, insight into uh, ways to serve people better and to serve your ideal. If these are your ideal clients, potentially, it's going to give you a lot of insight into how to better serve your ideal client. And that is, that's so phenomenal that uh, I, I think you know, I need to do more of that myself. I just don't think that's something that people, I think people kind of sit down and go through and say, okay, I know like I'm doing, I'm building this course. And I just think I know what everybody wants to hear because that's what I want to say. Therefore it's obviously what they want to hear, which is so far from the truth that the only way you know that is to do, do some research, do some real world surveys, some conversations. There's there's you know, no, nothing meaningful really happens outside of a conversation with people. And it's, it's good that you're getting this validation. The great thing is, is you're getting a lot of the validation that you thought was true. It's like, yep, I was, I was going down the right path. And then you've had a few things that have caused you to pivot, to shift, to think differently. And that's going to just get you so much ahead faster down this, this road that you're on. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all of that. And, and there's a, a, another caveat to it that, that I'm starting to understand. And, 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 you know, in our workings together, you know, probably one of the weakest areas that I have is around like copywriting, right. Um, uh, salesmanship or, you know, writing, writing words that would compel someone to, to purchase something or to join a community or whatever it might be. Right. That's just not a strength that I have, but in these interviews, these individuals are essentially writing that for me, right? They're giving me the language to say, you know, I'll, I'll ask them something along the lines of, you know, what would be important for you to have in a community that, that would keep you engaged in the community, keep you coming back and even compel you to, to engage in such a way that you would contribute to the community. And I just sit back and take notes. They're giving me the language to then use to say, all right, if you want to be a part of this community, right, here's the benefit of it. And they're just giving me that language. So it's, I, I can't speak highly enough of the value of just taking the time one-on-one uh, with your potential, you know, ideal customers. It, it's going to give you great insight. Yeah. And, and it, it's one thing to get people to part with a few dollars. That's, that's one aspect, but it's a totally 
different thing in today's crazy world at times to get people to part with 30 minutes or an hour of their time, right? To, yeah, you're right. Just you're to right. sit down and, and with, with really no, no material benefit to them. No, no, you know, I'm not going to get a, a, a Starbucks gift card for talking to Michael for 30 minutes or an hour. This is done out of, they are, are, are people that, that you've crossed paths with, they are invested enough in the relationship to to you know, provide that feedback. So I think it's great. I, I think it's even more notable that that you sit back and and really look at this with the level of appreciation that you do. Because I think some people could look at this and go, "Well, I didn't hear what I wanted to hear, so I'm going to discount all that." Right? It's easy to right. do that. It's easy to say, "Ah." I thought you were going to tell me what I wanted to hear, right? Oh, that's the ego, right? That's the ego. But, yes. but we know that uh, we always check that at the door because we're perfect at managing our egos. And uh, yeah, just, if you if you believe that, talk to my wife. She will give you yes. another yes. perspective. So plenty of people that'll tell you that I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not perfect. I can all I can do is tell you that uh, I'm not perfect, but I but I work to get better every day. That's that's the goal. But uh, no, it's great stuff. I, I love what you're doing. I'm taking note of it. I'm uh, I'm, I'm seeing how this goes with you, and and uh, I, you know, I'm hoping to to catch all the drips that comes off of this and soak them up and apply it in my own way at some point. But good stuff uh, for me. You know, one of the things I was um, successful in doing is I added a coaching client this Ooh. this week. Yeah, it's so you know without getting into details about the person, I, I would say this person is. Um, a very, very much kind of, kind of like what you're doing with your community research, you know, looking for this ideal person, this ideal client that you want to invest your time and energy in. Because not only do people ask us for, for guidance or support or help or things that we can serve them with, we also invest our time and energy in them. And we want to make sure that we're spending our time with people that are most aligned or, or most carefully aligned with our ideal image of, of people we want to work with. Because if you end up working with people or serving people in a community or working in a coaching relationship with people that aren't, you know, closely down that ideal client view, then they're going to be tough times, right? They're just going to be, boy, I got to go to go trudge through this conversation. It's not really you know, my wheelhouse, it's not something I'm feeling. I just got, I'm, we don't want to find ourselves in that situation. That's, that's why, that's why you and I, I think are, are, are doing our day jobs and creating our businesses on the side in a way that allows us and affords us the opportunity to slow roll into this in a way that we can align ourselves with the most ideal people that we choose to work with and want to work with. And that that's key, I think. And for me, this, this coaching client that I've added this week is someone I view as an ideal, ideal client who has a very, uh, very much a, a story and a past that I closely uh, align with and can resonate with and can provide um, valuable insight to and, and things that I've seen and personally dealt with in my life that I can add value to. And then with this person's desire uh, to grow and, and transform and to have more out of life 
and to be more and to do more than a day job uh, at some point is is exactly the journey that I'm on and something that I can share. And again, we talk about it's hard to see the label from inside the bottle. And it's always about being able to get a perspective from someone who can relate and someone who uh, really understands how to best serve you based on their experiences and their and their um, skill set. So with me, uh, very close alignment with this client. I look forward to uh, beginning beginning that here over the next uh, week or two, and I'll certainly um, uh, let you know how that goes. But that that's the biggest thing that's happened uh, in my week, uh, you know, in the last several days, as well as just continuing to to look at how I how I get a little crisper and and managing my website and um, you know looking at some alternatives to Kajabi that we talked about. No decisions really. I just um, kind of kicking a lot of tires because I'm, I'm a bit of a, a a tech geek that I like to see what else is out there and, and compare things. So doing that and, uh, you know, email list, uh, not too much action since the last time we spoke, but just thinking about how to continue to slowly grow. You know, if you just add five, five or 10 people a week, you know, you wake up in two or three years, yeah, you're starting to build a list. You're starting to right. build, build an audience that, that um, is, is very meaningful that you can really pour yourself into. So that's what's going on with me. And it uh, sounds like we're both working some pretty good different uh, things, just continuously making baby steps forward, knowing that we're not looking to become an overnight success with this. We're looking to grow a sustainable business, working with people that most fit our our view of this ideal client that we can best serve and, and pour the most value into. Yeah, dude. So, so that's awesome. I mean, adding another coaching client, that's phenomenal. Uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, if you don't have a coach helping you accomplish your goal, then you're not serious about your goal. Right. I mean, just, just think of any athlete or or what, if they're going to, if they're going to win championships or they're going to win games, they're going to have coaches. And that's even in individual sports, swimmers or tennis or whatever that they have coaches. Right. And so, uh, just phenomenal that you're uh, able also to find this ideal client. I mean, you, you bring up a very good point about the two of us, how I believe, you know, we're making this transition in a, in a very responsible way, right? We're not uh, just leaving the security of our current jobs and, and putting ourselves in a situation where we're kind of in panic mode to, to provide for our families and so forth. And so what that does is that gives us the luxury as coaches to pick clients very, very carefully, right? We're not picking clients just because we need a dollar. We're picking clients because we believe that we can bring tremendous value to these clients. And, you know, they, they kind of fit in our wheelhouse of the things that we can teach. I mean, you, you obviously wouldn't go get a swimming coach for, to help you with your tennis, right? And so these are, these are clients that we really, really feel like one, we can pour into uh, that we can relate well with, build relationships well with, but then also that we can bring tremendous value to. Uh, and that's the u- rather unique situation that you and I find ourselves in, that we we don't have to pick a client out of panic. We can pick a client because we know we can provide great value to them. So I know you've been doing a whole lot of work to go and find those ideal clients. And then uh, you've done some, uh, you know, some initial uh, coaching sessions with them and, and all that to ensure it's a really, really good fit. 
And uh, it's just great to see, uh, you know, it pay off for you with another uh, coaching client there. So, so great job there. That's, that's excellent. Um, and, you know, just so our audience knows, we both do that and uh, we've got room to do more of it. So if you're interested. All right. Let, all right, Michael, let, let, let me, let me brag on you a little bit. Let me do the talking now. So, you know, let me tell you, if you're looking for a leadership coach, if you're looking for someone who has the heart of a servant leader, someone who will take the time, you're not a, you're not a commodity, you're not a number, you're not a, you're like, oh, how do I get my quota this week? How can I figure out how to, how to get one more client in to get a cash register going? You know, Michael's not your guy for that, but Michael is the guy that if you want somebody to really take a step back, understand your situation, pour himself his, you know, decades of leadership experience, his, you know, Marine Corps experience, the things he's went through, his corporate experience, his C-level experience, things he's done to uh, grow his, his coaching and his, his off his business uh, outside of his day job. If you're interested in, and benefiting from someone who has the heart of a teacher, the wisdom of uh, this this leader with this passion and experience, Michael is a guy that you should be reaching out to. And you can get to him uh, very easily, credibleleaders.com, credibleleaders.com. Uh, he will not underserve you. That I can promise you. He will pour everything he's got into you. And uh, I can tell you that um, uh, he's been a world to me, poured into me and our relationship. And that that's the type of coach you need out there. If, everyone should have a coach, uh, whether, whether you do or not, uh, I'm not sure, but you should. Everybody needs to invest in themselves. I'm a firm believer of that. Uh, so if you don't have a coach, I recommend highly you you get one until you have one. And I'll use this analogy I've used before. I didn't get massages for the first 40, you know, four, 43 years of my life. And then I started getting massages and realized, wow, what a benefit these massages have had on my what life. Been missing? Yeah. What have I been missing for my right. entire life? And you know what? You don't realize what you don't have if you've never had it. So. Yeah. You got to get it. And the great thing about the relationship with Michael is he'll give you a, a, an experience of coaching for zero cost, zero, zero uh, commitment. And it's not, you know, that he would be disappointed if you said, well, this isn't for me. He would rather you say, you know what, this isn't for me, um, or maybe you're not a good fit for each other, but you've gone through that effort to find out because... I think you'll get on a call with Michael for, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever that is. And I think you will leave that call having felt like you spent thousands of dollars because there's no distinction between how he will serve you for free uh, to understand if you could be a good fit and uh, any type of relationship you might enter into for a longer period of time. So that's my, that's my pitch. You've got to give Michael a, a, a shout out. Um, because it, it's something you've got to experience. So CredibleLeaders.com, uh, Rookie Leaders Podcast, you got to be listening to that. It, uh, is it RookieLeaders.com? It is. Yeah, it is. RookieLeaders.com. So you got to do that, my friends out there. You got you to gotta check it out. And um, 
Uh, we just we just both love serving you guys and ladies out there, and uh, we're, we're here for you. Wow, Stephen, I really appreciate it. I mean, you're too kind to say those things, and and I could say every bit of that about you as well, um, except, you know, you were in the Army and not the Marine Corps. Well, we all have our flaws. I yeah, I don't hold that against you, and I would ask our <laughs> listeners not to hold that against you either. Uh, uh, but, no, I really appreciate that yes, and, and absolutely say the exact same things about you. Why don't you wrap us up, my friend, and we'll we'll uh, get out this week. We're we're pushing like forty eight minutes, and uh, uh, this has been insightful for me. Just talking through the ego and the and things like that. I hope our listeners got some value, and we'll we'll look forward to next week. And you'll take us to the house. Yeah, yeah. So your call to actions, right? Check the ego at the door. Okay, literally. I mean, if you're walking across the parking lot, say the team is more important than me. Really study, really understand emotional intelligence and and your emotions and how to uh, resist those and act rationally as a leader rather than emotionally. So check your ego at the door. Show notes for today's uh, episode. You can find that at leaderpreneurshow.com. You'll find the show notes for today's episode. Find everything you need to know about Stephen and all the services and products he provides for you at aerospaceleader.com. You can find me at credibleleaders.com. And next week, so this week we've told you, don't have an ego. Next week, we're going to tell you how to do the exact opposite. Next week, we're going to talk to you about how to be humble as a leader. So that'll be episode number 22 next week. So until we speak to you again next week, from Stephen and I both, be blessed and lead well. Well,